Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined, as always, by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at Believe Network. Today is Wednesday, September 6th, and this episode is once again brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Assuming they want us to talk about football, so football too. Uh, Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for 50% well, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. You know what else has started, John? What's that? State football season. Oh, boy. It started with a win. That much we know for sure. Hey, celebrate the wins. You know, we look you look past it, but then you have to kind of reappreciate, even if it was ugly at times. Uh, you look around the nation, not everybody won their bye game, Austin. You know, there were a couple games here and there. Okay. So certainly a lot of room to improve in their 31 to 7 win against CMU. But at the end of the day, you know, 24 point win, tale of two halves, right? You know, we, normally on here we do good, bad, and weird. Really, the first half was bad for the first 28 minutes until uh, they went with a hurry up two minute drill and just walked down the field. And it was a, you know, a sight for sore eyes to see, you know, Noah Kim completely turn it around and look comfortable. And then, um, you know, the second half was a completely different story. But Austin, I'm going to give it up to you before we get into specific things. How did you feel, you know, at the at the end of this versus your question marks at the beginning of the season? Were anything was anything answered? I don't know that anything was necessarily answered. I think some things were confirmed and I. I'll, I'll put it this way, I'm willing to give the team a little bit more benefit of the doubt than I maybe thought after, well, certainly halfway through the first half. I mean, it was, at, this is about as bad a start as you could ask for in terms of this game. I mean, every bad habit from last year, the silly penalties, the missed easy throws, the lack of push on short yardage by the offensive line, defense mis- miscommunication, like, Every every wart was exposed in the first what it felt like, you know, 15, 20 minutes of this game. And then something clicked. Uh, I don't know if it's getting the nerves out. It seemed like offensively when they started to work with tempo, things changed a little bit. But it just all sort of came together. Uh, tale of two halves, like you said, Noah Kim looked, I mean, borderline lost in the, in the, the like you said, the, the first part of this game. But Ended up 18 of 31 for 279 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, with a handful of bad drops in there, too. Yep. Those yep. numbers could have, should have been well over 300 yards uh, yep. and a much better completion percentage. So um, for a first game, I don't think you can really do too much complaining about Noah Kim. I think we 
if we, it, I guess let me zoom out a little bit. I think offensively, what I learned was that the offensive line, the returning starters, are still kind of the same guys, yep. which limits the running game. But the skill position players, including the new running back, Nathan Carter, Stuck. have it, have an incredible amount of potential. Yep. I mean, you're right. There's more. The best offensive player is now a running back until further notice. That worked in 2021, except for there were a couple NFL wide receivers on the outside. No one seemed to show up except for the freshmen. Um, you could argue Christian Fitzpatrick had the 72-yard um, jaunt um, in, in his one, I believe he had two uh, targets this game. But really, Jerron Glover and Tyrell Henry were the ones who did made the plays that opened some eyes, uh, I, with the exception of Nathan Carter. Those guys did some stuff that looked a little different. And candidly, they were the ones that weren't afraid of the moment. Now, going back, I think we want to talk, before we talk about the wide receivers any further, going into the game, we didn't know who the starter was, right? right. I mean, there was indications it was going to be Noah Kim, but in all reality, you know, Mel Tucker had not made a public statement about it. So let's talk about, you know, Noah Kim gets the start. Let's start before we go any further. Were you surprised about that? Not at all. I think we talked about it here a few times. It's the safe decision. I mean, I think kind of like unanimously throughout college football, if you're two years, like if there's two classes separating two quarterbacks, the odds or the opportunity are, is almost always going to go to the older guy if the competition's even close. Now, if he's getting his you know, butt kicked in practice by a freshman, the freshman's going to play. But it was obviously not what was happening here. I have been, you know, thinking Noah Kim was going to be the guy from from kind of day one. Hadn't really heard much otherwise. Kind of felt like if Hauser was going to come in and take the job, probably would have been some more heavy rumblings that he was just blowing Kim out of the water. But that wasn't the case. And I think you see why, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you look at uh, Kim made some – the funny part and the thing that's encouraging about Noah Kim is that – he made all of the difficult throws. <laughs> he he kind of blew the easy ones. And and I mean, I think maybe his most impressive pass of the game might have been an incompletion right before halftime. He threw a 62-yard rope into the end zone. That pass that wasn't caught. It was a Hail Mary, but you saw the difference from the quarterback last year to the quarterback this year, just in terms of like live arm. You see why it's easy to get excited about Kim. And that, again, the, another reason I come away, at least offensively, like more optimistic than I would have expected is because his mistakes are the easy ones. I mean, mm -hmm. he's he missed little dump downs. He, you know, again, wide receivers dropped at a minimum of three passes on him. And he only had, I mean, if, 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 and, it, and that came from everywhere. Like Trey Mosley dropped a wide open pass, like Mr. Surehands himself. Yeah. Um, you know, if he can make three of those completions that were clear drops, we're talking about 21 of 31 for over 300 yards, two touchdowns and and no picks and no throws from what I remember that were especially close to interceptions. I right. thought he played all in all once he got the nerves out, which is what it seems like. Yeah. Uh, he was playing pretty well. Now, that's that's through one game. But um, no, doesn't surprise me. 
that he's he's the guy getting the start. And quite honestly, I think he will probably play a large portion of the Richmond game as well. So in all reality, while his numbers weren't as good as they could have been, they probably weren't his, for the most part, all his fault, um, as you mentioned. But the, the thing is, is like, until we see it, it's not a guarantee that those guys catch those balls. Malik Carr has never proven that he can be consistent. And until he does, we can't just automatically assume that, well, you know, next game, you know, it, it'll all work out. Well, at a certain point, you just have, you become a team that is known to have dumb drops and stupid things that happen to you um, in situations that are, don't need to be, you know, um, yeah. unforced errors. You become that team. So until we see it, you know, consistently, I think you're going to we're going to have to just assume that this is the kind of stat line you're going to get uh, from from this quarterback, which is not a terrible thing. Like you said, it's a it's a strong stat line. Right. And especially if you hope that it was just first half jitters um, for what it's worth. Connor Cook had some first half jitter, or first game jitters. If you remember the TCU game when he came in, um, they won the game, but it was not because he was tearing it up. So uh, I, I just I just think that there's it's okay to have first game jitters, and that's what it needs to be if this team is going to be serious because they yeah. really really need him to be almost good. Well, the 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 flip side of saying okay there were drops is that there were also some insane catches. I mean, yeah, Terrell yeah. Henry had. A yeah. remarkable catch. Uh, his one-hander in the end zone. I mean, Malik Carr did not play well at all in this game as a receiver. But uh, even he made his one ball that he did catch on, like, nine targets, was a mm-hmm. very good touchdown grab. Jaron Jaron Glover had one drive where I think he had two, two really nice over-the-shoulder over the, over the catches. Now, those were all really good throws on Kim's part, like put him where only his receiver could get him, which, again, right gives us reason to be very excited about the potential there. But what's got to happen is probably fewer of those plays and more of the bunnies need to yeah. be what, what's going to keep this team, you know, ahead of the sticks and uh, in decent position. And I think to that end, I think we're seeing that this offense, based on one game, is going to end up somewhere between the strategy of the Rocky Lombardi go deep offense and maybe the Kenneth Walker run it a lot and screen pass type of offense. Because we saw both elements here. A lot of, uh, like, deep shots downfield, which Kim has more than enough arm, obviously, to yep. to complete. Um, but also, Nathan Carter ran the ball 18 times. And, I, man, you yep. have to be really excited if you're an MSU fan watching Carter. He runs hard. And he runs angry. There's a lot of vision to me. And with vision, though, Austin. Like, yeah. a thing that we did not see all of last year. Absolutely no creativity behind uh, the line. And Carter looks the part of a running back who is waiting, who is patient, who is able to make reads. Um, Jalen Berger, tough game, made made up for it with his one nice touchdown run where he, I believe he cut, made a a vision move, thing he's not known for. Um, And then, you know, the big challenge here, you know, as great as Nathan Carter was, on the fourth and shorts where MSU was unable to convert twice, that is a massive, massive red flag for two reasons. 
one, like we talked about last week, if you can't move the ball against Central, I'm sorry, this is just not going to just start happening against yeah. Big Ten teams. And, you know, we can we can maybe hope that if you had Mangham back there as your short yardage back, things are a little better. But the reality is, like, if you, the second red flag being you're in shotgun both times. And it's like, it's easy to armchair quarterback or, you know, offensive coordinator, Austin. But it's like, there's just some things that just don't need to be harder than they need to be. Because this team isn't good enough and hasn't proven that they can do it on, you know, all pro. They still need to do it on, like, the rookie mode before yeah. we start getting creative. So anyway, um, running game overall, I think you can feel okay um, about Nathan Carter as a feature back. But um, more to be learned as Mangum makes his back on the rotation. And and uh, we'll see how many carries Carter actually gets next week versus Richmond. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you come away... Again, I think my overall takeaway from the offensive side of the ball is that there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent. I also am, you know, I thought one thing specifically on that O-line was that you saw some of the younger guys get in, the Mel Tucker recruits get in to replace Spencer Brown and uh, Samak and Duplain later on in the game. And that's when the push started happening. Now, that's when Central's defense starts to get tired down and that's when depth cracks start to show, but... You know, I think that's going to be one of the really interesting things to watch with that group moving forward is how slash when are those younger dudes kind of starting to rotate in and really, really command some of the snaps. Because if they make a difference, there shouldn't be a hesitation. Um, But I I don't think we're giving well, we haven't really yet talked enough about the defense. Right Uh, now, I will say for Bert Emanuel, Jr., I think that dude, if he can ever figure out how to throw a ball down the field, is going to be a problem in the MAC. He yep. is a very good athlete. He only ended up with 41 yards carrying, uh, uh, 41 yards on the ground, but he was just consistently running away from MSU defenders. I felt like kind of pretty, you know, like pulling away more often than not. And I bet a lot of that has to do with taking sacks because I feel like he definitely ran for more than 41 yards. But, um, you know, he caused some problems MSU had to adjust, but I think you saw the strength of that defense shine through. That front seven played great. I mean, honestly, after kind of the the very – well, even on the first drive that Central had, I think MSU stopped him on fourth down like three different times because they uh, committed penalties, then gave them additional shots. But, you know, contained Emmanuel after a while. Secondary mm-hmm. didn't get tested whatsoever, so I don't know what we really – ended up learning about the defense but uh, you know the the front seven i think lived up to lived up to the hype jacoby winman got a sack um i thought zion young really popped as in terms of just being an athlete so a lot to like from that group as well yeah you're right you know they that was this is a group that we had a lot of questions marks about what we didn't learn is anything about the secondary with the exception of their run defense being very strong, right? And we think we kind of knew that, but it's nice to see it confirmed. And uh, like you said, they played a, a dual threat quarterback. It would appear that a running quarterback is not going to be as big of an issue as, um, you know, it's been in the past for this group. They've looked more than capable and had the athletes to keep up with a really um, plus athlete in in uh, Emmanuel Jr. He said he couldn't throw the ball. 
We have no idea if these guys can actually defend. We saw one uh, touchdown pass from him, and you know it was a simple uh, inside post where he got passed off three times, and before you know it, he's wide open in the end zone. And I think the other frustrating part is it that um, he is that he had enough time to get it there, you know, on a play that takes a bit longer to develop. And um, you know that is what it is, but but it, it gets a little nerve wracking, and you can't help to look down the line when you're going to be playing quarterbacks who are going to um, be much more precise than him, um, be able to make much quicker decisions. Um, we'll see um, what it looks like against Richmond's, you know, a, hu- a whole entire game to improve, but don't exactly antes- anticipate them to be thrown all over the field either. So um, more question marks there, but I guess, you know, the takeaway for me is they passed the test, right? Like they allowed seven points. Um, there was a night, uh, plays everywhere that you can feel good about from guys, new guys, like you mentioned, um, you can feel pretty good about, you know, this being a strong run defense team, regardless of opponent. I know it's just central, but they overperformed. Um, yeah. To- I, I would also say that a couple of younger guys really flashed kind of throughout this game. Again, this was always going to be one year where you had a lot of new faces and we were getting excited for new reasons. And I think some of these dudes really shone through. I mean, Malik Spencer was all yep. over the place and he was sort of that guy. We're asking who's going to replace the Darius Snow, you know, linebacker slash box safety role. Spencer certainly made his case in this game with nine tackles and one TFL. Jaden Mangum, I thought, made a couple nice plays in the secondary. Dylan Tatum jumped off the page as kind of just a, a big athlete. Um so I think you're seeing a tangible piece of progress just in terms of the product that MSU is putting on the field defensively. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll see. There's only so much you can take away, but I mean, 10 tackles for loss and three sacks against just about anybody. You can't be can't be too mad about that. Exactly. So like we said, passed the test, certainly covered the spread. Um, and for as big of a disaster as the first half was, um, you, like you mentioned, you walked away feeling less mad than you thought you'd be. Yeah. At the end of the game, considering how mad, you know, maybe we were. Um, last thing, you and I were both texted each other at the same time when Jonathan Kim was lining up for his 47-yard field goal. <laughs> it was just like, it. I was a little bit surprised. Maybe I'm just getting old and pessimistic that he drilled it. But that was a sight for sore eyes, man. Like, that, oh was, that was a wonderful feeling to I, feel I mean- confident. Between that, I thought Eckley punted the ball really well. Sure. Um, MSU yes. blew a couple of coffin corners for him, at least one that I can think of. Um, Kim looked confident on extra points. Aside, he did kick one kickoff out of bounds, but dude's yeah. got a leg. I mean, he had a handful of touchbacks. He's going to he's gonna have more touchbacks within three games than MSU had all year last year. And that this is huge. Again, that's huge. I mean, just think about it. The, you were able to keep – central down probably because they couldn't they can't put together 80 yard drives right too many times i listen you that's a big deal maybe against you know washington's going to move the ball better than that michigan's going to move the ball better than that ohio state penn state you know the good teams will move the ball better than that but even so i mean making them go an extra 10 15 yards makes one all the more difference in the world man that's that's one yeah. more drive so um yeah, it's a. It, that's not a small deal, and I thought their kick returners looked good too. I mean, again, Terrell Henry kind of pops off the page in terms of athleticism, so I was excited to see him back there and 
Yeah, I think the peripheries of the roster showed enough for me to get excited about. Because, again, not to – you don't want to throw anybody under the bus here, but having a competent kicker, having a competent return man, having a – you know, obviously we had a great punter last year, but once again a good punter. Like having not a converted tight end be your starting – or converted punter be your starting tight end. Yes, the backup was one, but that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> the, it's just nice to see some of these things that maybe we just got used to kind of getting phased out of the roster. Yeah, dude. we Things got normalized because the Big Ten is so weird and we are super into, like, punters. That's not okay. Like, what was <laughs> happening was not okay. So, uh, yeah, certainly improvement across the board. All right, last question. Did you learn anything in this game? Uh, did anything surprise you? What is your takeaway? Yeah, uh, uh, I learned that I think the uh, the upside is higher than I thought. Okay. Uh, I think we saw enough from some of these new faces just in one game to know that it's in there, right, and to give us hope. Tyrell, Tyrell Henry, Jaron Glover, Malik Spencer, Dylan Tatum, these guys all did enough at positions that we have every right to be worried about. Nathan Carter, uh, to make their performances mean a lot, even though, you know, again, it's not against this great team, but you now see, okay, okay, here's the difference in recruiting. When you get the guys you want and you get these guys that are higher rated recruits, you see the difference on the field even if it's against a, a not amazing team. So I, I think I learned that the upside this year and long-term is, is higher, but it's going to be, it's going to be volatile this year, I think. Okay. I think you're probably uh, spot on. There's a lot of reason for hope. Um, we'd like to see it consistency. You know, if yes. they can do it again against Richmond, now you're really starting to think like, okay, you know, that wasn't just, you know, a flash in the pan. Like these guys are, can be contributors. That's big. Right. And, um, you know, and, and then you, we have to learn a little bit more about Noah Kim. Was it nerves? Because once he had this, the opportunity to stop thinking and got into the two minute drill, there's no think, right. You're just, now you're playing football and he was able to rise to the occasion immediately in that position. If he's able to do like play like that, you know, and be like, okay, just play football. Stop overthinking. Stop over, you know, doing everything. You're doing too much. You're pressing. You know, and people start to press. If he wasn't, if he stops pressing and that's what it was in the first half, okay, now we have a different conversation going into the Washington game, right? But um, got to see that first. But, I, you know, glass half full. It, it very well could have been pressing. And if that is the case, hey, you know, still a lot of upside, a lot of ceiling left here to look at. So agreed. All right. Should we transition to the national and Big Ten results? Because there were some incredible games all across uh, the nation, starting early with Florida, headed to Utah. And Utah, right before kickoff, uh, noted their star quarterback, ninth year senior <laughs> Cam Rising was uh, no longer playing. But to you and me, it didn't change anything uh, because on the other side of the ball, Graham Mertz was the quarterback. And yeah. Things got ugly for Billy Napier, Austin, 24-11. Listen, I don't want to be an alarmist. Mertz, of course, did throw for 333 yards in this game. 
If I'm worried about anything and I'm a Florida fan, it's the fact that my team ran for 13 yards. Oh, no. That's bad. That's real bad. And I don't think that Utah did anything especially great. I mean, back up Bryson Barnes threw for 159 yards. They only ran for a buck oh five. Um, really just had one huge play to Money Parks right off the right off the bat in the game, 70-yard touchdown. But uh yeah, Florida, if you're not running on Utah, I don't know what you think you're doing to the SEC. And all the Florida hype, Billy Napier can go away real quick. So you better turn this thing around very post-haste. They're in a little bit of trouble. There are, you'd be shocked to learn that there are people who want Billy Napier gone yeah. after week one. The message <laughs> boards are surely being kind to him. Oh, man. Moving forward to the most electric game of the week, Colorado at TCU. Boy, were we wrong about I, – I was shocked to see – that if you have the most talent at the very, even if it's only four, three or four dudes, that you can still win football games at this level. I was surprised. Yeah. Um, it's shocking. 45 I mean, to 42. I, I, uh, just an incredible game. It's hard to overstate some of like the superlatives from this. I mean, Shadur Sanders comes in and throws for a program record 510 yards and four touchdowns in his first game. He has four 100-yard receivers, including a running back who catch, who caught three touchdowns, including a 75-yarder. Uh, Travis Hunter plays 60 snaps both ways, has an interception and 11 catches for almost 120 yards. I mean, it's so let's it's not gloss remarkable. over that. Like <laughs> you've just listed off <laughs> separately some incredible achievements. Yeah. Like all separate from one another. If one of those things happened in the game, it would be an incredible game to talk about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know which one to focus on. I, I mean, it's 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 one of two things. Like, first of all, I would say a uh, pretty brutal last two games. If you're a TCU fan. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty tough last eight months or whatever. After that uh, Cinderella win against Michigan. But thank you, TCU, forever mm-hmm. in my heart. Um yeah, it's just what show goes to show. Like, I listen. I don't know. I'll be the guy who shits on this, I guess, because okay. I think this is a game we could look back at at the end of the year and be like, "Oh wow, they beat TCU," and then like, "Wait, TCU went three and nine. Oh, I just don't think they're that TCU. bad. I just don't. I get think what you're that saying bad. that they're mid. They could be. Remember, we said last oh. week, Austin. We said that is TCU yeah. even good? No, I, I think TCU benefited from making the college football, you know, the reputation of making the CFP last year, but they have a new quarterback and they don't have Quentin Johnston. Like, it's still a shocking win. It, oh, without question. Don't get me wrong. Still an absolutely shocking win. And Colorado deserves a ton of credit, but now they have to game. This isn't, they, they don't get the game plan all offseason for every team now moving forward. And guess what? You wanted the spotlight, you got it. You wanted the pressure, you got it. So now, can you actually deal with all of that and all of the expectations that come with it? Because now, all of a sudden, you're a favorite against Nebraska, even though Nebraska looked atrocious this week like Mm -hmm. in all of 10 days you people went from okay they're going to lose that game for sure to they should win by 35 like yeah yeah expectations script has has flipped very very quickly and uh 
yeah, you still got a lot of tough games on that schedule. Take take nothing away from this win. Remarkable win. Incredible stuff. But um, it does go to show what you can do with just like the top, top tier talent. It also goes to show how incredible it is that Deion Sanders got Travis Hunter to go to Jackson State. Like, Well, that's how? just it. Well, here's how. He said, you're me, dude. Like, <laughs> True. Truly. I mean, like, you're me. I did it. Watch if you if I if anyone can show you how to do this, I will show you. And he's and he has and he did. And Travis Hunter, I I I don't want to get you know too crazy, but that, that might be one of the single greatest performances I've ever seen from a football standpoint. Playing that many snaps, like Tough I was I, I was just in awe of it because I don't think we can even he made it look so easy. Like I think. TCU offense was just, you know, on hands and knees there at the end of the game. And he's out there playing both ways, not even breaking, winning the game for them. It was just incredible. So he's the number one player in the country for a reason. And he was the number one player in that class. People were like, this is, it's like when it's like Victor Wembenyama in the NBA, everyone's like, yeah, "Yeah, he's the number one pick every year. It's the same thing with Hunter. He was the best recruit in quite quite some time and he he looked like a college division one athlete who's playing when they're in high school yeah exactly like he looked like that in a division one game absolute freak number one pick in a few years at the worst top five type of kid so yeah stud okay on to boise state at washington this one i had my full attention because i wanted to see you know where did michigan state stack up and how good was washington well washington is the real deal austin oof it is, it's, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. You got to beat the best to be the best. Washington is in at least one game showing that they are one of the best teams in the country in large part because Michael Penix Jr. with 450 yards and five touchdowns, and he was in complete control the entire game. Yeah. So they're a wagon. Odunze and Polk and McMillan are th- that wide receiver trio. Again, almost all going for 100 yards and, Odunze goes for seven one thirty two and one. Polk three one oh one and one. And McMillan eight ninety five and two. It's like, just insane. Yeah. yeah. So that is going to be uh, needless to say, <laughs> it's going to be a challenge for MSU. But Washington looks like they're they're all they were cracked up to be. They they couldn't run the ball, Austin. I'm just going to throw a couple um, point a couple holes in their ship. They couldn't run the ball um, the way they wanted to. Boise State, not a slouch program. So I'm not going to necessarily hold it against Washington, right? Um, but they also were a little susceptible on uh, pass defense from a guy who can't throw the ball. So how do you beat this team? Well, we saw MSU really excel going to that hurry-up offense. I would advise exactly against that. Yeah. Because if you get into a shootout with these guys, you will lose. No. You'll lose. You're going to lose. They're going to beat almost every team they play with the exception of, I can't wait for the USC game where no defense will yeah. be. Um, like, you just can't get into shootout. These guys got to limit possessions. You got to basically play it like a like a low seed in the March Madness tournament. Like, just walk people the ball. Are gonna hate, people are going to hate watching that game because we'll talk more about it next week or two weeks, whenever. Uh Michigan State's going to sit back in zones and let them complete all these little underneath yep. passes and just try to eliminate the big play because that's the only yep. thing. Unless you got the horsepower, which I don't think MSU does, nope. that's the only way to do it. 
we'll get to that one. But yeah, they looked all the part. So uh, more to come. We'll keep an eye on Washington as they play next week as well. Uh, see how they do. Uh, UNC at South Carolina, a game of two quarterbacks well-known and uh, draft Knicks are interested in Drake, May, and Spencer Rattler. UNC wins this one in a great uh, up-and-down game. I think the big surprise here was UNC's defense, which has been a huge question mark, even while they've got things humming under Mac Brown. UNC probably feeling pretty good about themselves right out of the bat, out of the gate. I went over an SEC rival in week one is always a good thing. Drake May did throw two interceptions in this one, and they do have a new offensive coordinator, but still scoring 31 points against an SEC team on the road is is a pretty nice start to the season. So, yeah, I don't, again, I don't know that we learned a ton about either team. UNC certainly, they enjoyed this more than their early season game against Appalachian State last year when they barely yep. won. But, yeah. Oh, that was an insane game. Was- wasn't that like a triple over? Oh, that game was insane. It was like in the 60s, right? Like, it's like 66, 65 or something crazy like that. Oh, it's awesome. Okay, so UNC, in my eyes, joins Notre Dame in the hashtag nice yep. teams. Okay. One off the cut. The first yep. cut of the grass. LSU, Florida State. This is a bit of a shocker that Florida State won 45 to 24, and only that they won by 21 points. Um, Austin, it's going to cut to the chase. Keon Coleman's three touchdowns were absolutely electric. He looked like the best athlete on the field in this game against DBU and LSU, his hometown team, his home state team. I'll just say this. Watching this game, I know a bit what it feels like to have been a Wake Forest fan in 2021, watching Kenneth Walker go absolutely berserk and being like, huh, that looks awesome. I wish that was happening with my team. Yeah, it. I mean, you're happy for Keon, obviously. Yeah, of course, you're happy. Part, but like, I just wish this could have happened against like NC State on a random Thursday night, yeah. like a noon on Saturday, kind of sure. blending with everything else instead of standalone, you know, s- Sunday night against LSU. But uh, listen. Credit to him. Uh, I think it says that whether you like it or not, he wanted to go to a team that would play in the national spotlight, that would get with a quarterback that he knew could get him the ball and an offense that was designed to do it so that he could go to the pros. I would say after one game, his gamble has already paid off. Like he now has that game forever to go back to and draft Knicks will remember it forever. Okay. First things first, Keon might want to consider not playing anymore. He's a I, seriously, player. hang him up. <laughs> I mean, not seriously, but kind of seriously. You're a first round pick. Everyone just saw it. Like, we're, I can't wait to see the updated draft boards. Two, um, I think it's a little unfair. I think there was a little bit of of misinformation traveling around. Keon Coleman was the most targeted receiver in MSU's team last year. Didn't, yeah. The targets weren't always on target, as we've seen. We've moved on quarterbacks. That's a different conversation. Uh, but I think it's realistic to understand that like Keon Coleman was not being like left out in the cold at Michigan state as it relates to both, um, the offensive, uh, spotlight and, um, from a financial standpoint, I'm not going to get into that point. I just want everyone to know that it was, uh, Michigan state did not fall short. I think that's important for people to know. So he took his opportunity elsewhere and that's just fine. 
that's just fine. But I just don't want any, I think it's important to people understand that like, that's also the tier and tiers and reality is of college football. Florida state's a still a big time program. They won national championship in the last 10 years. So until further notice, you know, we, we got to hold on to the guys we got as best we can. And, um, but there are still opportunities for people to move up and we experienced it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, spot on. Uh, It is what it is. Uh, He's just going to probably keep doing it. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and Florida state to transition to the next game uh, looks like the class of the ACC by a wide margin. Oh God. Well, Austin, it's time to give you your flowers. Because you called last week a Duke upset of Clemson, which was pretty crazy considering it was about a 14-point dog. That was not a small pick. You went out on a limb, and you nailed it. Um, The floor is yours for calling this one. Plus 365 if you were smart enough to grab it, uh, Moneyline. I wish I could take, like, a ton of credit here. The only thing I'll say is that I thought the reason my justification was Riley Leonard Fun He's quarterback. You, you, hey, you saw him make you saw him make plays. What I did not predict was Clemson turning the ball over in the red zone yeah. three times. But the return of Clemson Inc., boy, was that was that glorious. I don't want to be over dramatic, but like we we might but he might <laughs> Dabo might have some real questions that he's going to have to answer here pretty some. soon. This is like 3 years in a row now if you know, one game in but of downright bad offense. And Everyone you had all liked, off season to yeah. get ready for this game and you did that that's oh, not good. 7 points and you got you know what everyone said we said listen. We not a fully agree with you, but you've earned the benefit of the doubt to blame it on a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you did. And he went to Oregon State and killed it, by the way. Yeah, threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Killed it, by the way. Had a, a, for, a for a top 20 program, by the way. They're mm-hmm. ranked top 20. So it wasn't him. And then you get it's and this kid, uh, Cade Klubnik, he's no slouch. Was he no. number two quarterback in the class? He's a five-star quarterback. Five-star quarterback. So, like, let's not get misconstrued uh, about the situation. And then, Austin, I think the thing that puts the nail in the coffin for Dabo, and yes, we are on pack watch right now for Dabo, oh, yeah. who has Thank lost you. three of the last four games. Mm. Did you know that? Wow. Yeah. So, last year, they lost their bowl game against Tennessee. I believe they got absolutely yep. they got pantsed in it if i'm not recalling yeah 31 to 14 um they beat north carolina in the acc championship game with whoop-de-doo and lost to north south carolina remember i do they lost three out of the last four and guess what dabo did not do this last offseason fire any coordinators well he did because he got the the best coordinator money could buy by getting the tcu offensive coordinator Mm. that didn't work (laughs) His his issue, on top of many issues, not a single player from the portal, Austin. Yep. Not a single player. Didn't do it. Like NIL. We all know that. Doesn't want to pay players. It's over, man. This yeah. is a new world. He's done. He uh, Unless he changes his stance pronto, ASAP, in a hurry, he's done. I mean, let's, when guys like Saban are leaning in, Mm-hmm. Lean, lean in, man. When, mm-hmm. when, listen, you were just playing Duke. Coach K was plucking guys out of the portal. That's what I mean. 
he like, come on, it's it's time. But I'm not better than this. It'd be fun to watch him fail, I will say. Oh, good. I Clemsoning love it. is Clemsoning was just so damn good for so it was such a good bit for so long. I'm very excited to have it back. You know what though? If I was a Clemson fan, I'd take it. You got two oh, Nats out yeah. of it. You got two Nats. Like, sure. I'll Clemson for the next Clemsoning for the next 30 years. Yeah, that I uh, couldn't agree more. That's worth every every penny. All right, moving forward, because the the actual it's called Nebraska ing because yep. Austin, <laughs> new coach. Same result, uh, blowing a one-score game uh, at Minnesota, 13 to 10. Not aesthetically pleasing. I remember we were talking to this one and saying, "Hey, man, what if we're we play both of these teams? We can't be worse than this." And well, the first half made us think otherwise. But um, Minnesota wins a game, an ugly, ugly game, and Nebraska, you know, again. Uh, snatches the jaws of, or excuse me, snatches uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. It was um, a sight to behold. Uh, but both teams have to feel very uncomfortable moving forward. Yeah, just some awful quarterbacking in this game. I mean, Jeff Sims and Athan Kaliakmans combine to throw the ball over 60 times mm. for, let's see here, just over 300 yards between the two of them. Two touchdowns, four picks. Just some awful stuff. Jeff Sims did run the ball for almost 100 yards, but just like I, there's nothing, nothing aesthetically pleasing about this game whatsoever. Um, just Austin, that's that's Burt Emanuel Jr. stuff. That's Max. That's but I'd rather have Burt. It sounds like um, about as bad a start for Matt Rule as you could possibly ask for. And again, t- kind of bewildering that Minnesota didn't try to hit the portal for a quarterback when you knew. God, right? just sitting there. So, yeah, I don't know. It makes me feel a lot better about playing Nebraska. That's for sure. Now they're going to they're they're, they're, they're going to get better. Both of these teams will get better. Although I'm, I would not be. I'm not. I, I never had any Minnesota stock, but what I had has been sold off long ago. Nebraska, I think, will improve. But yeah, stinker of a first game. Uh, moving forward, Michigan wins over ECU thirty to three. Did not cover. To start the game, for some reason, the team was choosing to honor their self-imposed suspended coach, which, yeah. I, like, Listen, every every team follows the personality of its coach. Their coach is a cornball, so all of their players dude, are. Their I quarterbacks think, are cornball. That is the corniest shit I can think oh, of. God, and painful. You know how hard it is in that situation to play the victim? Oh, listen, the lead, they are the leaders and the best at something. That's for sure. You know how hard it is to play the victim? You're like, I put myself in detention. And then you tell everyone, I'm in detention. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, man, because you lied and cheated. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't get us sympathy because you did that. Yeah. Like, why? And, and you did it. And another, you still might get punished by someone else yeah. later. Yeah. Like, ah, whatever. It's not even detention. You just stayed home from from your extracurriculars at home, and yeah. you want us to feel bad for you. Like, Here, like, I can't get in trouble if no one knows where I am. Like, that's, I don't know. I don't buy it. Let's, if, that, my only takeaway from this game is that Michigan didn't run the ball great. Uh-huh. And that would worry me a little bit. I'm not sure it means anything at all. But JJ was spectacular. Yes. He is a round one quarterback today. Yeah, that's fine. 
Uh, he so also screwed up and fumbled on, on, I believe, on fourth and goal. Like, it's he's still him. He's yep. still going to make mistakes. All right, Iowa, Utah State. Austin, I've been dying to talk about this game more than any other. <laughs> Iowa wins 24 to 14. The reason I wanted to talk to you is because Iowa scores with like nine minutes to go to get up to 23 points. Now, you and I and the world knows that Brian Ferentz needs to average 25 points per game to keep his job, right? He has 23 with nine minutes to go in the game. You got to go for two, right? Yeah. Like, you, you can't bank on getting more points later, not only in this game, but you can't be chasing points oh my God. after Utah State. No. I, I don't think this Iowa team is going to be good. I literally need to just, like, I'm not sure Ohio State or Utah State's necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. Like, they actually typically have more talent than you think. But to only score 24 against Utah State in a game that's, yeah. like, close, like, was – 17 to six going into the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know. They didn't run and they ran the ball 36 times for only 88 yards. Couldn't and that's, the ball. that's like their thing. And Couldn't if you're not going to do that, that's not good. I mean, you go as Cade McNamara goes and we have seen. Yeah, that's not how good. far that can take you. And with less talent. Okay. Mm-hmm. That game was awesome. I enjoyed it. I just and also Iowa unders are zero and one. Or excuse me, one and zero, one and zero. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Iowa one and under. And um, for what it's worth, we're going to be keeping track of Iowa point per, points per game. So still, we're at the under. We're under right now, so we're in good shape. Fresno State at Purdue. We called it. We knew it. Purdue is unserious. It's it's stupid. Fresno State wins thirty nine to thirty five. Purdue, you have Hudson Card at quarterback, who is not bad, and you guys put up 35 points and managed to lose a game with a head coach who you who is the defensive coordinator at Illinois. <laughs> the only reason he got the job is because he knows how to coach defense. You got to be like really, really, really worried right now. Yeah, that's that's again disaster start. Mikey Keene for Fresno State, 366 yards and four touchdowns. Damn, damn. Well, uh, Purdue. Already looking forward to basketball season September. Uh, Ohio State at Indiana, a very underwhelming performance for the Buckeyes and Kyle McCord. Um, truly a statement to the program that you can win by 20 in conference on the road and people are going, uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, Indiana's defense kept them in it, but they just don't have a freaking clue on offense. On top of Ohio State's defense is a little nasty. So, Yeah, it's, it's going to be another ugly season in – in Bloomington, um, they hung. They hung, though. Good on them. Yeah, good on them. They they competed. They tried, but yeah, when you're completing nine cat nine passes and for 82 total yards, like you you're just not you're just not getting it getting it done. So I don't know. I mean, if you're Ohio State, I, I hesitate to be too nervous. Kyle McCord's first game ever, but you see, they a couple, yanked him. I believe they times. yanked him. Well, then they brought in a guy who has negative passing yards on the season now, Devin Brown. So, um, hey, can relate with Noah Kim going into the second I, quarter. With yeah, if if they're already pulling the quarterback, man, I I don't know. Ryan Day's they've never loved him there. I love so much that when we were talking in our was it Will Hunter, we were mm-hmm. joking about how like Ryan Day. Remember last year he was coaching for his job while he was in the college football playoffs, <laughs> like which is <laughs> incredible. It's no respect. The most disres- one of the most disrespected coaches for no real reason. 
Well, because he because he followed Urban Meyer, that's why. And you know who else is coaching for his job and may go to the playoff? Mike Norvell. And I say that because D. I don't. We don't think Deion Sanders might be as for real as it looked, but Florida State has to be keeping an eye over on that, right? Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? Then there are so many big boy programs that if he wins seven games this year, yeah. are gonna. Yeah fire perfectly good head coaches just for a shot. Norvell's got to make the playoff this year to keep his job. Uh, it's insane. I mean, if you think if you think Florida is above firing Billy Napier to oh, chase God. the world's biggest star of all time, you're crazy. Miami's thinking the same thing, I guarantee. Uh-huh. Oh, I love it. Okay. Wisconsin, uh, slow start against Buffalo, pulled it out 38-17. to 17. I don't know, man. It was a little ugly, and it wasn't cute, and uh, the experiment was not working for about two and a half quarters. So maybe they ironed it out, but who knows? Yeah, Mordecai didn't do a lot to inspire confidence despite throwing the ball 31 times. Did have two big-time running uh, rushers in Malusi and Braylon Allen. He's going for over 140 and two touchdowns. But first game, I'll let it slide. Same here. Uh, Towson at Maryland. Maryland doing September things. Not too worried about their 38-6 to win. Did you learn anything? No. It's Maryland in, in September. I, lear- I will never learn anything. A game I learned a little bit about a team. Penn State 38 to West Virginia 15. I would go as far to say that Alar is the real deal, like we said. Correct. Which I'm feeling very good about. Correct. Franklin was smart enough to to score with six seconds left to cover 20 and a half in this one. And I would say that this was the best performance of a big 10 team this week. Uh, absolutely. Had to be the most affirming. Um, Drew, listen, our Drew Aller stock, which we bought at pennies is mm-hmm. through the roof. I God. mean, he is, he's the, he is in my estimation, potential wise, I think he is the highest ceiling, including J.J. McCarthy. Uh, I mean, he's he is what you you make a quarterback in a lab, and it's Drew Aller. Um, His first pass of the year was a seventy-yard touchdown. <laughs> he's 6'5", 243 pounds. He's a with tight end. Laser. Yeah, I mean, he's we're, yeah we're talking like real real deal quarterback here. So if they've got that. I was saying it before the season, man. I think people are overlooking Penn State. I think Penn State has every every chance to win this conference and beat every team. I think they can they can beat every team they play. Um, you know, I want to knock us down a peg because while we did call this, we were all over LSU and they let us down. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay, so Toledo heads to Illinois, has them by the gazangas for the entire game and lets them off the hook. Um, I think we want, did we call an, we said this had a lot of potential to be an Ope game. I don't remember if we called it, but I would say my takeaway is the entire West is very unserious. And once again, once again, for the last time in history, Mm -hmm. it's a fitting way for this all to just fall apart. I will look back and feel extremely persecuted as a Michigan State (laughs) long period of time where we should have been winning that division for however many years in a row it would have been. If only we had flipped with Purdue, we would be like six-time champs. And we are we are now the victims. So stealing <laughs> from 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 JJ. The true victims of the weekend were the Northwestern Wildcat fans who tuned in to see them lose 24-7 to 
to Rutgers. And I would say that Rutgers has officially surpassed Northwestern as the basement of the league. I think in in athletics, period. Period. Well, yeah. Northwestern yes. is killing it in like tennis. And no, like it, no. we're talking about the money sports, John. Oh, Bas- okay. Basketball okay. and football. Fine, 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 fine. Northwestern is firmly on the bottom of this conference okay. now. But Rutgers is ahead. Basketball program's frisky. Not that Northwestern's. I mean, it's. Do they I make need one more? I need more from Rutgers as a basketball team before I give them that. I, I don't know that. I what, what against Northwestern? I'm just saying that Rutgers was so bad. I was keeping track of it, like mm. for how bad they were. I'm going to pull it up really quickly because no, I. No, that's fair. They here it is. In football, they're definitely the worst. No, in both sports, and I stopped keeping track of it because I got too depressed. They were winning twenty eight percent of their games through like twenty twenty two. Like bad, truly remarkably bad. But anyway, this game was was an abomination. I don't see a world where Northwestern can win a game, an FBS game. Maybe not any game. No, I don't. Listen, if you're losing by seventeen to Rutgers, I'm not sure what else. What is what else is there to be said? Kind of sucks we don't play them and we don't play Purdue. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Moving forward, here we go. Uh, rattle off some national preview games. We got through the Big Ten there. Um, uh, to quickly wrap up uh, the Big Ten. I don't know if there was any program that really did anything that made me go, "Oh my God!" With the exception of potentially Penn State lived up to the hype and Purdue fell on their face. Yeah, that's those are my takeaways. Everything else is pretty much in line with what I was. I will say I was a little. I mean, it's Iowa, but it's very funny that they only scored 24 points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a they are a walking circus. All right. Let's get into the national preview here. Uh, Notre Dame heads to NC State and uh, Notre Dame is a seven point favorite. Now, NC State last week i want to say they struggled and there was a lot of picks they'll always be the darling pick just like nebraska is in the big 10 but they never win so until further notice they are the losers they are the same old spartans of the acc uh how do you feel about this one seven point favorite for the irish yeah i mean it's hard to disagree right with how good they looked with with hartman um playing last week. And I think one of NC State's players, Ashford, is out for this week. And Rakeem Ashford, and I believe he's a pretty good player. Uh, NC State only beat Connecticut 24 to 14. So this is, you have to wonder if maybe they were looking ahead a little bit. I don't know. Brendan Armstrong's a good quarterback, played for Virginia for a long time. But yeah, this this feels like Notre Dame. But then again, this is, they have all the hype. This is, this could very well be a Notre Dame fall on their face moment. Uh, moving forward, Utah, number 14 in the country, or we haven't seen the new updated rankings, may even sneak into the top 10. Uh, at Baylor, who fell on their face at home against Texas State, a 26-point favorite, maybe even 26-and-a-half. Huge loss for the Baylor Bears. Um, Utah is a 7-and-a-half-point favorite. However, how do you feel about the, Baylor's, the Baylor Bears um, hanging with the Utes? After a letdown, maybe a letdown game for the uh, this feel this feels like one of two things. It's either Utah blowout or it's Baylor wins in a close one. Like I could totally see that happening because they're so annoyed with themselves for losing that game. And it's still a talented team. So 
I don't know. I probably you through the safe money, but I wouldn't be shocked to see Baylor upset here. Maybe the most fun game of the weekend. Number 22, Mississippi, who may move up at, at Tulane, also ranked. Mississippi a seven and a half point favorite, besting uh, their FCS opponent by 70 points. I think Mercer this week, Lane Kiffin, leaving it all on the field. Tulane, if you remember, they beat USC last uh, and New Year's Six Bowl game and are coming off a win. It's going to be a very electric and exciting game. Yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is going to bring the offense. There's no question about that. Jackson Dart, former USC quarterback, threw for 334 yards and four touchdowns. Quidshaw Judkins is a stud, two rushing touchdowns. Trey Harris, who was his first year with Ole Miss, had four touchdowns in his first game. Pretty good intro, pretty good start. Um, but that being said, you can't sleep on Tulane. Tulane, all they do is win games. They just I mean, win, last, baby. Last year, their last four games, they won SMU, Cincinnati, UCF, USC. Those are four good That's what I'm programs. saying. Yeah, what the, I'm wave, saying. the wave are good. Um, and it's at Tulane, Austin. Yeah, it's yeah. listen. It's it's not an easy place to win. I think you you know I'm I'm going with Ole Miss personally. I think they're just too explosive. But Tulane is. I like that they're a good program. That's fun. They're the best program in the state of Louisiana right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On scoreboard. Just, you do not waltz into Green Wave Stadium. You okay. just don't do it. Texas A&M four point favorite heading into the to Miami, Florida, and the NIL Lottery Winner Bowl. <laughs> There's a lot of money on the field, and I'm happy about it, Austin. I'm happy the, the guys on this field are all paid. I don't know if they're all overpaid, yeah. uh, which is fine to be overpaid. I, I just think that this is funny from a um, result versus investment standpoint thus far. Yeah, it's too... Big names that have not even come close to living up to the hype the last two years. I mean, it's it's those two big programs you see in every recruiting race and then are also at the bottom of the standings or the middle of the standings every year. So, I mean, huge game for both of them. Um, I think it bet's got to be on Texas A&M, but, you know, for that reason. I don't really know. I think this is actually a super evenly matched talent-wise game um, that I think most people would expect to be like number eight versus number 12, but it's sure. 23 versus unranked at this point. To me, this is a little bit like Colorado TCU, and there's going to just be athletes everywhere. I don't know if they're any yeah. good, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, Oregon, uh, who <laughs> scored 81 points last week against FCS Portland State, heads to Texas Tech who tried to waltz into Laramie, Wyoming, but we tried to warn you, you don't just do that. And they mm -hmm. lost and blew a 14-point lead and lose to the Cowboys. <laughs> Oregon, seven-point favorite at Texas Tech. Who do you got here? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, man. Losing to the Lonesome Men from Laramie in double overtime is... <laughs> lonesome is, Men from Laramie. Yeah, one of my favorite turns of phrase ever. I've never uh, heard that. Oh, yeah. That's the, lone, the Wyoming Cowboys. Um, I need everyone to know that if you didn't know, Wyoming <laughs> has the lowest population of any state in the United States. So Lonesome yep. is just a wonderful yep. term. That's them. Uh... <laughs> I mean, you have to pick Oregon. It, I don't know. You can't pick against them after they've scored 81 points in a game. Also, that's just rude. Like, come on. And come like, on. If you're not going to, like, I I know it's like stop them. 
Yeah. But even when you score 80 points in a video game, you're kind of like, all right, that was too easy. Yeah. And also like, yeah, stop them, but they're trying and can't. So like, chill. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. State. The gem of the weekend. All mm-hmm. eyes will be on this and probably set new records for the season in uh, viewership. Number 11, Texas, and Quinn yours head to number four, Alabama, and Jalen Milrow, who had an outstanding coming out party in his first game, granted against Middle Tennessee State, but he did everything you asked. So who do you have in the Alabama seven-and-a-half-point favorite game in Tuscaloosa? Got to favor Saban, right? I mean, literally always and forever. Until I'm given a reason to not, which I will never be given enough reasons. I will always favor against Texas, mm-hmm. like Texas, the school that always chokes. I will, I will take, I will take Alabama every day of the week. Now that being said, Texas, tons of talent, but and yours is a good enough quarterback to win this game. But I mean, if you had one question to mark about Alabama, it was is Jalen Milrow going to be great? And all he did in his first game was play absolutely lights out three touchdowns through the year, two on the ground. Yeah. You know, granted it's against middle Tennessee state, but obviously job. there. Yeah. Did his job. I don't think that's going to be the problem. So yeah, whenever you quit, when you question an Alabama quarterback, just remember the guys that they won national championships with, yep. go ahead and look back at them and then tell me Jalen Milrow isn't X Capable. the player of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'll be a fun one. Um, all right, moving to the Big Ten. Let's go quickly here. Some FCS action, unfortunately, you know, including ours. But Indiana State at Indiana, the Sycamores, um, on a Friday night at least. So I'll be tuning in because I have a problem. <laughs> yeah, I think that sums it up nicely. This uh, this will tell you whether it's going to be a bad season in Indiana or a really bad season in Indiana. You know what's interesting is that the other game on Friday night, Illinois at Kansas, is somehow the less sicko option of the <laughs> Substantially. Substantially less. Illinois, a three-point dog here. How do you feel about that? You gotta that is some serious, unserious program shit from a, a, a dog to Kansas football Ugh. is that is a place you do not want to find yourself as a program. And uh Illinois, man, all the goodwill from last year gone in in a millisecond gone the next day youngstown state playing their annual ass kicking at ohio state yeah Uh, buckeyes need to see something more from the quarterback and the offense overall right i mean they might try to score 70 in this one they might try to top oregon if they can just to just to make it feel better um a game where i have no doubt they can get it done delaware heads to penn state um again it's just a matter of does aller play in the second half yeah uh, blowout on Peacock. Glad I don't have to watch it. <laughs> I love it. By the way, I feel like we need to link up with like some uh, fans of or or uh, podcasters from an, other teams, and we can like go halvesies on a Peacock membership. So we can watch it. <laughs> yeah, everybody chips in thirty eight cents. But I mean, if every one of us chips in, it's no big deal. Um. Nebraska at Colorado. We inched, we hinted at it earlier in the pod. Uh, Colorado now three point fave, massive swing. Nebraska until further notice will lose every one possession game until they stop. Um, don't look now, but Nebraska 
after dropping an easily winnable game at Minnesota, now plays the at least most watched and electric program in the country in Colorado. And then next week, Austin, they play Northern Illinois and seventh-year quarterback Rocky Lombardi, who beat Boston College last week in overtime. Yes. So you can't feel too great about yourself as a Cornhusker today. Mm-mm. No, but this is such a – again, this one to me is can you handle the pressure if you're Colorado? Because Nebraska's got ne- – talent's never been the problem Problem for Nebraska. It's just right. not – it's just being Nebraska is the problem for Nebraska. So, I don't know. All the pressure's off Nebraska in this one, so I kind of feel like they're going to play super loose and keep this way closer than people think. Go look at ticket prices for this game. Oh, it's insane. Folsom Field only houses like – Gosh, I don't want to get this wrong, but it's it's a very small field. Yeah, it's a very cool stadium. But cool stadium, yeah, absolutely. But it it is really the capacity is quite small, so I can't imagine the tickets for this game are 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 reasonable because um, no, they're like two thousand dollars. And you know, you know, Nebraska fans travel, right? So this especially game is Colorado, this the game to be at. So I'm going to be tuning in regardless. Um, uh, quickly moving forward, Purdue at Virginia Tech. So this game opened with Purdue as about a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and overnight Virginia Tech became a three-point favorite. Um, how, who do you have in this one? I don't know. In 1997, this game would be incredible. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, Drew Brees, Michael Vick, uh, but instead it's just kind of sad. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what to think about this game. I don't know who is at Virginia Tech anymore. I, I really they've become such a yesteryear program. They're Nebraska without the nostalgia. Uh, it's, it's pretty sad. I, I'll Purdue would probably win just because they shouldn't win it. So yeah. probably Purdue. We said that because they lose to Fresno State, they're going to win a game they shouldn't. This feels like that game. <clears throat> In an alternate reality, Noah Kim is the starter for Virginia Tech. Kate yeah. Hauser is the starter for Boise State. <laughs> and Peyton Thorne is the starter for Michigan State this last weekend. All right. I don't like that reality. I don't like it either. It's glad it didn't happen. UNLV heads to Michigan in the afternoon to take on the Wolverines, who are a 36-and-a-half-point favorite. Here's the only thing to watch. Can Michigan run the ball? If they can't run the ball again, we have found the hole in the ship. Mm-hmm. That's about all there is to watch. Period. And yes, it's a shame this one isn't also on Peacock again. (laughs) Um, Here's an uh uh-oh. When you're hosting UTEP and you're an underdog, (laughs) Northwestern's in a big, big bad spot. This is is rock bottom, right? When you're a one and a half point dog to UTEP at home. I mean, if it's not, I don't don't even want to know what is. This is... This is Bleak, capital B-L-E-A-K. Okay, here's a game I'm very excited to watch just to see which players are eligible because they didn't bet on last year's game. (laughs) Iowa, a four-point favorite at Iowa State. My question is, which player will be brave enough to gamble on this game considering the situation? Yeah, that's a great point. I think they should all do it. Just be like they can't. They can't kill us all. Uh, you know, <laughs> Here's this- I, I don't know, man. This is this is brutal. If if Iowa can't win this game, oh, 
I mean, I'd like to say the head coach is on the hot seat, but I literally think he's impenetrable. But you Iowa know, might not win. They might not win six or they might not win six games if they lose this one. Iowa State is not good. But dude, they play in the Big Ten West. They get Northwestern. They get sure. Purdue. Like they, you get to play teams that are as bad as you every week. Like, El Asico. Let's see if he can live up to it. My God. Speaking of Terry Roberts, uh, defensive back transfer from Iowa, no longer with Michigan State. Mm. Do Fun. with that information what you <laughs> Cool. Uh, good hang. Glad you could hang. <laughs> Temple. By. Yeah, yeah. Night games, night games here. here. 6.30 or 7.30 kickoffs. Temple at Rutgers. Rutgers a nine-point favorite. Um, I don't I, – I can't bring myself to care. Yeah. Night game in Piscataway. Have Shades fun. of Jeremy Ito. Eastern Michigan at Minnesota. Um, yeah. Here's here's to why. If Minnesota struggles here, you you a Michigan State fan, you can be like, okay, okay, we could win at Minnesota. You yeah. could feel much better about that. That's it. That's about all there is to watch here. Charlotte at Maryland, I think same thing. But Maryland, this is the September Maryland. They're going to yeah. pick up steam. You know how this goes. So it's amazing. It's really one of the slept on trends in all of college sports. It's like Michigan State's January three game slump in the Big Ten of basketball. Like <laughs> it happens every year. It just happens. All for it. And you sh- and we all fall for it. We all fall for it every time. And we're like, hey, maybe it's for you know, like, no, we've seen this movie dozens of times. Just, just turn it off. Just turn it off. In an interesting nightcap, Wisconsin travels all the way to Pullman, Washington to take on Washington State, a team they lost to last year, Austin. So who do you have in this one? Well, see, here's the interesting thing. They lost to them, but they got so many new players that I think you lose the inherent edge that you usually have in a revenge game. That's right. Washington past them? Washington State, like Oregon State, super weird, not that talented, yet frisky fun team. Washington State has been a mess for a while, but I don't know. I think they're in a good position to cover. They're six-point dogs. Um, Wisconsin's still a lot of moving parts. It's a long trip to Pullman. Um, Washington State probably feeling a bit uh, persecuted, left mm-hmm. out of all of the fun realignment stuff. And, you know, I, this one wouldn't surprise me if if they were to to to, to win, quite honestly. Last this year, Washington, the biggest, this is a huge game on their schedule. That's right. Last year, Washington State won in Madison, and the uh, game-winning touchdown was scored by a Wisconsin transfer running back. So, Ooh, uh, fun. yeah, yeah, salt in the wound. Okay, moving on to Michigan State's uh, game versus Richmond, the Spiders, an FCS opponent who last week dropped their opener to Morgan State, seventeen to ten. Last year they did play in the FCS playoffs. They went nine and four, ranked as high as twelfth. But it would appear that all of that talent has dissipated, considering what we saw last week. Austin, this is less about Richmond and more about Michigan State. What do you need to see out of Michigan State in a game that is all but a certainty? Let's hear it. I mean, that's what I need to see. I need to see this game get treated as all but a certainty. Um, This should be a bigger win than last week. This is a team that's the same caliber, probably worse, because they try to actually um, 
Well, I'll put it this way. Their quarterback, Wickersham, Kyle Wickersham, uh, is kind of the entire offense, or at least he was last week. He had threw the ball 23 times, ran the ball 21 times. Maybe so he's he's not all that dissimilar from Emmanuel, who they played just a week ago. Maybe they, they throw the ball more, so maybe he's a little bit more of a downfield passer. But in all in all reality, this is a uh, th- this is the team Michigan State should take care of. You, you shouldn't lose. You shouldn't even play a close game against a team that put up ten points against Morgan State the week before, and then comes comes to play you. Offensively, I need to see Noah Kim be more consistent. Lower the high. You can lower the highs as long as you 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 elevate the lows, which I kind of want to see him stabilize. Was the first half jitters or was that more of what we're going to see? I want to see the receivers keep making plays, more of the regular plays, get the drops out of there. Uh, maybe most importantly, you need to see that offensive line develop some creases for Nathan Carter and Jalen Berger to get through, period. It has to happen because if they can't get push here, boy, oh boy, are we in trouble. We'd be counting these two wins, doing a lot of heavy lifting down the stretch of the season. Now, defensively, I think Michigan State should have their way again. Uh, you know, for better or worse, no, actually, it's, it's definitely for worse. The pass defense is not going to get terribly tested. It does not appear. Um, so MSU is going to be going into that Washington game extremely untested, which will be fun for everyone. Uh but defensively, you just want to see more of the same sound tackling, confidence, getting after the quarterback, stopping the run um, and just doing your part. Again, if Morgan State can keep these guys to 10 points, there's no reason to think you shouldn't at least meet that bar. Um, but, yeah, I just want to see this team continue to build. And then on top of all of that, just don't be stupid. Don't do the dumb stuff like they did a lot of dumb stuff in the first half. Didn't do any of the dumb stuff in the second half. Look at the differences between the two. I don't think it's a coincidence. So um, this one should be enjoyable. I mean, I, I think, again, you just I don't expect MSU to get too fancy with what they do. Maybe they throw another trick play. I mean, they did run a flea flicker on the first drive last week just to put it on tape. So it wouldn't shock me to see something else come out just Again, so Washington has one more thing to look for. Um, but, yeah, I just hope it's a business-as-usual type of victory that's you know somewhere in that same sort of 31 to 38 to 7 type of range. That's it. You nailed it. That's the, here's the situation. Last week, Michigan State did exactly what everyone thought they would. And for the most part, with the little uh, ups and downs throughout the rest of the schedule of teams they're going to play, everyone else did too. Michigan State went from an expected around, you know, average of 5.7 wins to 5.8. There was a 0.1 improvement based on averaging team rankings, ESPN FBI rankings, uh, and a handful of others I keep track of. So, What are you going to do here to improve that win total? You have to show that you win and win decisively. And um, shouldn't expect anything less. I think you're going to see Kaiten Hauser, but there shouldn't be a quarterback controversy. And um, beyond that, you just hope nobody gets hurt. Yeah, and, and that and that's the that's it. And you hopefully get to sit back and watch a week of fun college football. I would. I hope we see both quarterbacks. Both of the backups, Sam Levitt, too, hmm. I'd like to see all three play. Um, yeah, I don't expect I do not expect 
just to address it because I'm sure everyone's thinking it. Kim's going to play. He's the starter unless he comes out there and stinks it up. I think the fact that he played the entire game against Central kind of tells you all you need to know. Um, but I would like Hauser to get some experience here. They, sh- they should let him play. Uh, and I would love to see Levitt get a couple snaps too. So I think that does it, John. That does it. Good all hang. Right. Let's do it again next week. Yeah, agreed. All right, everybody. Hey, as always, the show has been presented by Bet Online. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you next week. See you.